Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rival's pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson, scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years, here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step to 53342. New York, call the 24-7 Hope Line at 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of the Woke Bros. Of course, I'm your co-host, Big Waz, a.k.a. Washington Bray, and I'm joined not only by my brother on the west side of Los Angeles, Nando Vila, but we got a very special guest in the building. He's a historian. He's a professor at uh, UW up in Seattle. He is the host of the American Prestige podcast, which is personally one of my favorite podcasts. Danny Bessner, man. Oh, also, you write in the New Republic now, man. We're going to get into that because it's yeah. getting real spicy. Um, yeah. in the in, on the home of the bell curve, home of the bell, <laughs> home curve. Of the bell curve, Marty Perrette's yeah. at the bell curve. Well, thanks for having yeah. me, Waz and Nando. Hello, yes, we, we're going to get into the intellectual left and the, the, the cat fight that you find yourself in right now, Danny. But first, man, I think the biggest thing in the news right now, I think what people should be paying attention to is what's happened with um Silicon Valley Bank who went under this weekend. Um, to give people just because I, I did a, a decent amount of reading to kind of figure out what happened. Um, these guys were having cash flow issues. Uh, the assets that they did hold, the, like money that they use from their depositors, which is the deal that you make with your bank when you deposit with them. We deposit with you. We charge you an interest rate, um, and you're supposed to try to make money for yourself with that. With that. Um, with those deposits and that's just sort of how the system goes these guys they did the classic through all of their eggs in one basket and got a bunch of these treasury bonds right um back when they were ultra cheap uh and that's what all of their money was tied into only the fed raised the interest rate and these bonds that they bought at one percent say are now worth three so when they need to get rid of these bonds for cash 
they they have to sell them at a loss because everybody's like, why would I buy that with you at one percent when the Fed, the U.S. government is now selling it at three, and so uh, Silicon Valley investors get a wind of this. There's a bank run. These motherfuckers go under. Joe Byron and uh, Janet Brandon. Yellen. Joe Brandon. Joe, Joe Brandon, Brandon, excuse me. And um, Janet Yellen and, and that crew decide that they have to make all of the depositors hold. Shareholders took a bath, which I'm quite happy about. But, you know, I just think a lot of people who aren't in tune with this world, right, just see this and it's just like, man, it takes two days to make this shit go poof. Gone, nothing, no, no Congress involved, no, no, it's just two days of just like we have to ensure the integrity of our banking system because, well, yeah, well, the, there's no actual explanation, it's just we, well, we just have to. The, 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 you, you, it's, it, it's breathtaking the speed at which one of these things collapses and just how fragile the whole thing is, like it, it really is all just kind of held together. Um, by you know pins and needles and the uh, uh, like duct tape and whatever the expression is, but uh, the, you know as soon as we talked about this a lot was that as soon as they raised interest rates, all kinds of flimsy little stupid economies like the NFT shit or whatever like just immediately evaporated, <laughs> you yeah. know, and like this stupid bank that was only lending to Silicon Valley, like that's like the weirdest idea. Uh, for any bank ever is to just like lend to one industry because like if anything wrong happens with that industry then the bank fucking collapses so i think that's the most interesting so there's a couple i think there's two major stories there's the house of cards story which you guys just talked about but then there's a larger story of vc and silicon valley bank is actually really interesting because one of the 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 premises of capitalism is that a free market will be able to more efficiently allocate uh, efficiently and successfully allocate capital than central planning, right? This was the big argument between the United States and Soviet Union. I'm Free sorry, markets yeah. are better at that, right? Mm-hmm. So um, Silicon Valley Bank, which I believe was founded in the early 1980s, is founded at a moment when there's money gets cheaper because real wages decline in the late 1970s in the way the United States still, still allows people to consume like the, uh, <laughs> the pigs we are is by making credits cheap. So you have a rise of basically cheap money. So you have a bank that's specifically organized around venture capital. And the venture capital premise is that a bunch of entrepreneurs is going to be able to efficiently allocate that capital. But what I think is happening, and this is a big cultural change in our lifetimes, is that there's now the realization that Silicon Valley, um, as a significant... But in general, like it's structural function, which is to innovate, like doesn't work, right? We got Uber, we got ride shares, we got, you know, Blue Apron and stuff like that. But, you know, welfare went down, you know, everyone's depressed. We're all on antidepressants. So there's a disconnect between the promise of capitalism embodied in a VC and what we're actually seeing that the story allows you to really explore. Well, the other thing is that it's just beyond the house of cards element. The the it's just how quickly the the state can just mobilize to fix it. Um, it's remarkable, you know. Like these uh, these deposits were insured up to two hundred and fifty thousand um, dollars, and that's like a age old. None of their thing. none of their depositors were um, had as little as two hundred thousand two hundred fifty thousand yeah. dollars because you can't operate one of these startups. 
um, at two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and that's a new deal thing. The Federal Deposit Insurance Mm -hmm. Corporation or company is a new deal thing. Yeah, yeah, it came out. It's been like that forever. Yeah, the the crash of the Great Depression. It's like yo, we have to insure deposits to just make sure this system runs. Everybody has what the main word you keep reading is trust. There's trust. There's faith. (laughs) In the system because this stuff is insured, even though it's important to note, like the vast majority of these deposits are way more than that, meaning they're uninsured. Okay, the vast majority of the money in there was uninsured. And, you know, again, if we're talking about the free market, the secret hand and all of that, you (laughs) like if you're a depositor, there's supposed to be a two way street, meaning I lend this, I deposit this money, I get interest on it, but the reason why I'm able to earn interest on it is that there is a risk. That's the whole premise of it, right? Like I'm taking a bet. This is what entrepreneurs always tell you. They're so, oh, I'm such a genius because I took this risk. They love that fucking word. And that they're brave and they're soldiers. Exactly. It's a whole culture of masculinity. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. And so- right. When the when the Fed and and Byron comes out, or Brandon, excuse me, comes out and he's like, "Yo, we're gonna." And I'm not saying that he shouldn't have made these depositors whole. Like one of my own friends, she works at a company. Her entire payroll was in Silicon Valley right, Bank. Right, exactly. They it might not have made payroll this right. Monday. A lot of that. There would have been a lot of that because Silicon Valley for the last 12 years hasn't really made money. I'm sure all the listeners are. The business model is you would become a natural monopoly and then you'd start making money. But it turns out you just don't make money even when that happens. So it's really all collapsing. So even if with this save, these are these people are still going to be laid off. It's just going to be in a more organized fashion like a friend of mine works at meta and like they were basically told you're gonna get laid off in the next six months well the but the thing is it's also like they just but they basically also just said is that like the fdic insurance is is limitless like right, right? yes like, like it's a so moral hazard the, thing yeah major yes. policy change but the was well, did you see uh giannis sent it a kumpo no I did, did you not. see what happened no oh, I didn't. giannis the greek freak uh the new york post reported that he um he has like over 50 bank accounts, all of them $250,000. Because he, he saw that the FDIC insures up to 250K. Wow. So he takes his salary and spreads it out over. Wow. Over like, That's good know, financial like, planning. <laughs> dude, he knows. He's been, look, he's been reading the laws. You know, he understands the new deal. You know, he he's from Greece. You know, he knows that shit can go down <laughs> any fucking second. Yeah, you know? that, is, here, yeah. that is quite incredible to learn. But yeah, and of course, there's going to be a bunch of like consequences from this. Just the idea that it doesn't it now doesn't matter. Right. Um, and but I don't think they can do this long term, but it, it presents a dilemma. It's like, OK, if. <laughs> If the only money that's guaranteed is the shit in J.P. Morgan Chase, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, City, um, then why the fuck would anybody deposit in these mom and pop quote unquote operations? But then, the, you know, these guys are going to say, oh, well, we, we don't want monopolies. So I, I'm just confused as to what these people are well, supposed to do. Well, it should be, you know, if, if the government is going to implicitly... Um guarantee the deposits it should be nationalized yeah. it should be nationalized it should be run yeah. by the state like it should just be yeah. a bank you know like the federal reserve should just offer bank accounts to regular citizens you know if that's because then you're just then you're creating a situation where you a bank can just do whatever the fuck it wants you know right and, and it has and, no yeah. 
no cliff to fall off of. Like, you know what I mean? If they do something wrong, but, so they the, can just do whatever the fuck they want and the government will just bail them out every single time. And what's up, but here, Nanda, what's really interesting about that is that the Fed is also like completely undemocratic, right? Totally. So even if, even if the government like took it over, you would basically have like a board of unelected technocrats deciding where to put the money. So, I mean, the, the, the big thing that the story of our lifetimes is really, we need to democratize a lot of this shit which is just like totally out of the hands of any ordinary American from foreign policy to economic policy. This is another data point in the fact that you need to democratize how basically the government, if they're defending everything, they're spending taxpayer money. Um, even if they said that it's not going to be taxpayer, but it's ultimately all fucking taxpayer money is, uh, is, uh, well, that was the funniest, like pedantic little point. Like it's not a bailout because it's not well, where the fuck did the money come from? Yeah, it's you ridiculous. Know, like, it's so stupid. Yeah. It's absurd. Yeah. Yes, it's not. <laughs> like, where the fuck did it come from? It's not, <laughs> it's not tax money, but it's money that they're obviously just making out of thin air. This, like, where, where, where is this money being created from if it's not taxes? Like, I don't understand that, that argument. And again, and, you know, because I've been reading stuff from, like, normal economists and then you read like the tech reporters and it's just this idea of just one like pretty much everybody in silicon valley accepts that this is the beginning i mean the 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 beginning is over yeah like all that shit is done there's no more part of tech that's going to be some huge new innovation money maker etc etc like there's maybe a little bit of hope in ai or even like virtual reality or whatever. But that's getting rid of workers, right? The hope in AI yeah. is that they'll be able to get rid of workers and reduce right. labor costs. It's not right. creating value. The, well, the, because so, the internet has been conquered, you know? Yeah. yeah it's the internet good. has been conquered by the five companies that we all know. You know what yeah. I mean? Every um, industry, every industry has been conquered so, by the five so these, companies we all know. <laughs> these VCs understand that like the pot the, the stuff that you can actually get is so much smaller. So they have to behave way more cutthroat, right? This pie in the sky. Oh, this is a community and the VCs. They got rid of the that. ping pong tables. <laughs> the VCs understand they have to be nice to founders because, you know, your reputation is everything and blah, 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 blah. And it's like all of that shit is over. These guys are just behaving like every other financier in the world behaves. And the, cra and the craziest part about this is that like led by Peter Thiel? It's like basically twenty guys, twenty yeah. dudes took who made a good bet down. in nineteen ninety eight. Like that's what it is. Who made that's a good it. bet in nineteen ninety eight? It's wild. no, but I'm talking about who took down this bank. Took down the Literally, bank by like twenty in the group guys. chat. It yeah. was like yo, group chat popping up. You know, like they're sending like gifs and they're sending like a, you know, uh, you know, picture of a hot chick, and then they're like, oh my god, you hear about SVB? It's like yeah, shit. Where's Aaron Rodgers gonna go? Oh yeah, this SBB thing is kind of weird, huh? And then like, oh, wait, what are you talking about? Blah, 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 blah. And then the bank collapses, you know? Like they just That's they... insane. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, it's, it's... a house of fucking cards, dude. Yeah. Like you blow on it and it flies away. Um, you know, it's like talking about like th that there's there's no more hope in 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 tech for for profits. Like if you think about a company like Apple, you know, one of the largest, if not like if not if it's not the largest company in the world by uh, them, capitalization, sure, yeah. it's one of the top five or something. Whatever, mm -hmm. they have something like fifty billion dollars in cash on hand, just sitting there, that they're not investing in anything because they've made the, 
There's nothing to invest in. There's nothing. <laughs> like nothing. They, 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 there's like nothing. There's nothing. Like they just hold one. it. You know, rather than investing it, you know, like yeah. they're, they're holding it, they'd rather just collect the interest on it in cash. Yeah, and universities like do that. That's 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 companies like it's a lot of companies that that and that sort of thing could be made illegal. The Congress could pass a law that you have to invest a certain amount of your profits. And I don't want to hear this bullshit that they could go offshore. We all know the American empire could make it so they don't. So that is definitely two seconds. Op- yeah. Two seconds. You don't No, Sorry. Oh, you think, uh, yeah. you think uh, the Cayman islands are going yeah. like, to resist like American pressure to change their fucking laws. Yeah. You know, like I saw Hillary Clinton personally intervene to like stop a wage increase in Haiti, you know, right. and it was like, whoop, yeah. you know, like, yeah. um, yeah, no problem. Yeah, yeah it, it could totally be done like tomorrow. I, I mean, it's it's wild if you think the amount of capital that is literally hoarded. It's crazy. Yeah, it's like way more than student debt, way more than all of this stuff that is like such a problem. It's it's disgusting. Yeah, it's a disgusting and, world. Again, and the reason why I bring, I think it's important we talk about it up here. Um, is just because like just keep your eye on, just watch, just watch what they do and what they say and when they act. When they act unilaterally, like you're not gonna, like you might hear a couple of Republicans break ranks. Maybe a couple of Democrats might break ranks, but everybody is in lockstep on this. This is the kind of stuff that they all agree on. Yeah, they're the two parties of capital, right? That's it. (laughs) That's it. My man Pascal Robert, he's like, yo, you know, the, the, the fight between the Democrats and the Republicans is like, who gets to be the stewards? The middle management of capitalism. That's it. That's the fight. They don't give a fuck about this other shit. It's like, no, no, no. We want to be the we want to be the supervisor. We want to be the floor manager of capitalism. That's it. That's the that's funniest the, is the, the the Republicans that are that are saying like Don Jr. and all these Republicans are saying that SVB collapsed because it was too woke. <laughs> it's the best. Like we live in the dumbest time. Ever like this like we live in like the dumbest <laughs> time ever, you know? Oh, so good. Because <laughs> they because these guys invested in the environment. It's like, bro, come on, bro. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's I, I encourage you guys to go read um my man Ben Thompson. Uh, uh, go read uh, whatever you can on this. I, I it's important. It's fascinating. But I I just really need to get into this. Hello, listener. Guess who's back? It's me, Anthony Mays, your favorite butcher turned podcast producer. And I'm here to talk to you about ButcherBox. ButcherBox is the most convenient way to get high quality meat and seafood that you can trust delivered straight to your doorstep, free shipping, vacuum sealed packaging. It's ready to go right then. It's ready to pop in the freezer. You get exclusive member deals and a variety of high quality cuts at an amazing value. Going to the grocery store can be a huge pain. You're usually in a rush at an inconvenient time. You're waiting in line at the meat counter. You're taking a number. Maybe this place doesn't have a number. You're jostling with fellow customers. You're trying to get that ribeye that you want or that nice piece of salmon. Maybe the butcher that you're dealing with has a bad attitude or something. I don't know. That was never me. I promise. But maybe it happens. Butcher Box takes all of that out of the picture. You are always prepared with meat and seafood in the freezer, and you're not going to find quality for this price anywhere else other than ButcherBox. So sign up at ButcherBox.com dings, D-I-N-G-S, and get our special deal 
ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com dings and use code dings, D-I-N-G-S, to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. Fight! <laughs> so i'm on my instagram a couple of days ago and i see db on his story post like some somebody just saying snarky shit like oh i'm being dissed and i'm like oh that's crazy who would like who's doing this or whatever i hit db and he's i'm like yo who who who's doing this he's like bro it's it's new york mag jonathan chait i was like wait hold on wait a second Jonathan Chate, who's like he's had these public, these public intellectual battles with like numerous people. Most people remember the Tanahatsi coach shit. Like he's going yeah. back and forth with people all the time. So like I'm aware of the guy's work. If you don't know who Jonathan Chate is, he's basically your uber centrist lib, right? Like he's the guy who said he's the guy who said Democrats should hope and push for a Trump victory in the Republican primary. <laughs> Because it would be easier for Hillary to defeat. <laughs> he's he's got so many. He's bangers. got so, he's got some bangers, he's, dude. Yeah, he's, got, yeah. he's, he's, a, he's one of the best. One he of the was best. a classic New Republic guy, you know. Yeah, yeah. Back under in the, Marty. The glory days. Yeah, yeah. Back when in New Republic New was the uh, in-flight magazine of Air Force One, the Stephen Glass days. Oh, he was yeah. there during the Stephen Glass days. So yeah. I, I'm like, okay, Jonathan Chase is dissing my boy. I, I got to catch up on this. So. <laughs> I read Danny's thing, which I'm going to let him explain it, but I read Danny's piece in New Republic, which is excellent. You guys should all go out and read it. And then I read Jonathan Chait's thing, which essentially comes down to this guy was mean to centrist in his piece, and so therefore it's invalid. Yeah, but Danny, can you get deeper piece. into why sure. you wrote, the, why you were interested in reviewing the book that you did in the New Republic? And it's like what it's like to get, like, I don't know, like a fucking academic fight in public that's crazy uh yeah no thanks uh that's it. you described it pretty well so just just briefly uh, i'm sure everyone listening has heard the word fascist and, and this is a, a yes. common term in american yes. political discourse uh and you know i spent i for my phd i studied a lot of nazi germany and in my studies um one of the major justifying reasons for what we would call centrist liberalism was centrists were saying that they were defending against communists on the left and fascists on the right. And so historically centrist liberals have been like, you're a fascist calling everything fascist as a way to justify a lot of what I would call their nefarious projects, the national security state, the de-democratization of American life that we were talking about. So for years I've been saying like the, the term fascist, I think one it, it doesn't work politically because the people who use it um, use it for anti-left purposes, basically anti-progressive purposes. Um, and then two, I also just don't think it, it works analytically. Um, I think if you compare what's going on in 2023 United States, uh, it doesn't really compare to Nazi Germany, which is what people think about when they the word fascist is used. Right. We have certain there's some resonances, like I would say ICE. Uh, immigration customs enforcement is gen genuinely like a Gestapo secret state police in Nazi it's Germany. Fascistic. Like, it's fascistic, right? That there's there's something real there, and like Trump just like lying about stuff. There's something fascistic there. Like if if, you, if if Kenya Burris made a show about 
ice, yes. it would be yeah. called fascist ish. Ish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That'd be and, a great. That'd be a great. Like yeah, uh, SNL you green light that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Uh, so, but but when you look at like what created Nazi Germany, you have a, a generation of people scarred by World War One, literally in the trenches or starving at the end of it. You have, I would say, a moment in political history where small bands of armed guys on the streets could actually have a political impact. I think if you look at January sixth, that didn't do anything, right? Back in the day, they might have seized the state. Bro, they years they ago. killed the arch dude Ferdinand. Some dudes in the bar it was just like, "Fuck!" You. <laughs> right, right. You could do stuff like that, but so Bro. so that that's not possible today. And also, a justifying logic for fascism was that there was a, a left to be against, yeah. and there just that to me is today. the key. That to right. me is the key. There that, is no left. Fascism is that fascism is like uncomfortable for capital. Like it's not like something they prefer right. to do. Right. You know it what is I mean? uncomfortable. It's, it, yeah. It's not nice. They don't want to do that. They don't, they don't, they don't, you know, but they'll it's do it. Fucked up, but they'll do it if it's, if the do alternative it. is giving people shit. Right. It's, it's like left. giving yeah. people stuff. It's exactly. like letting people have, you know, the profits from their work. Right. <laughs> we're not doing that. And, and we're in no danger of that. So, <laughs> there, so analytically, it doesn't work. And politically, I don't think it's particularly effective. That was basically the argument. That that was the argument, and then Chait comes in, and he's basically like, "Oh, this guy's downplaying the Proud Boys. This guy is downplaying the the far right and and Stormfront and blah blah blah. And he's downplaying right. this and 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 really, he was just so mean to us liberal centrists. We that was basically kind of, it. That was you it. Know, you were mean it, to centrists. Yeah, it and and it like I was saying, some other another person wrote like a. A, a takedown but like i wish i had better better adversaries <laughs> yeah like this this stuff is so easy you know like it's, it's not even like that interesting i'm not going to respond to either of them but it is funny when you get like texts from people and you're like yo a new york magazine wrote an article against you like i think i mentioned like 17 18 times by name in that yeah. piece it's yeah. pretty cool like yeah. I, I i like it you know, yeah. it's it's kind of funny because it, it shows that when you when you get responses like that, it shows that like you you, you got something true because people could just ignore it otherwise. Um, so it was pretty cool. I'm in favor of people writing articles against me. I like it. <laughs> you, I, you, I, you get I thought, off on it. <laughs> I thought what what was really your most like the shit that really set them off um, was that you mentioned that the Cold War has been over for 30 years. Liberals, they won, you know, they won, the liberals won, and not in the sense of Democrats and Republicans, like people who don't really understand the concept or the idea of classical liberalism or whatever, we're not talking about Democrats, Republicans. Well, can I just very quickly, so yes, if you think about in the 19th century, industrialization happened. In response to industrialization, there were various answers to how to deal with that. One of them was this thing called liberalism. Another one was communism. Another one was, I would argue, fascism. Mm. And so liberals emphasized freedom. The question is, what does that freedom mean? And there are different interpretations of that. But I would argue today that both the Democrats and Republicans are different sides of liberalism. Liberalism. Where uh, Democrats uh, emphasize freedom to do things and Republicans emphasize freedom from, from things. That's not always true in every issue, but broadly speaking, that's what I meant by liberalism and what you were getting at. 
Yeah, it's just the idea, like, yeah, you can have your guns, you can be gay, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's just this idea that you need these personal, or some people would say civil liberties that both parties basically espouse, right? Um, But, you know, all that other shit, freedom in your job? (laughs) No, 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 no. You don't deserve democracy at work. Right, because it all had to do with how to... It it had to do with how do you deal with these pro- these massive profits brought along by capitalism. Every one of these ideologies thought capitalism was quote unquote necessary. The question is what you even do communism. With that. Communism said it was you needed basically it said you needed capitalism to produce all this shit and you need communism to control it. Right. Mm. That's the, that's basically the the argument of the basic argument of Marx. Uh, so these are all and why many communists capitalism. in why many communists in Russia were not in favor of taking power right. because they felt that Russia had not gone through peasants. capitalism yet. Right. It was a peasant so they feudal were, society. It was, not, it was not ready for a socialist paradise, you right. know, as a result. They hadn't um, produced enough of the goods that capitalism produces yet to sort of um, delegate the shit. So this is the, the communist gambit, which I would say proved to be wrong, <laughs> was that the working class would become conscious of itself as a working class and just across do it. borders and take control of the system. And just do it. Like everybody that proved wrong. Everybody would see that this was obviously everybody would see that this was obviously a fucked up way to do things. Right. And everybody who the, the vast majority of working people would be like, we can't take this shit. And they would right. unshackle themselves. But you know, the, the, the capitalists, it turns out, were a lot trickier and more well, clever. Two things got in the way. Thought. nationalism and racism right Mm, like ultimately those two things Mm. prove much more powerful yes especially nationalism especially in the european context i think racism is really big in the american in the western hemisphere and of course racism against jews exists in europe but when we're talking about like the the center of capitalism it was was the nationalism of world war one is really the thing that got in the way so that's a beautiful explanation and so basically what danny is saying is that once the soviet union is gone and dead there's no equal counterweight capitalism liberalism specifically whether democratic or republican variety or whatever the varieties are in europe and other places they've been left to their own devices for 30 years and it's been a fucking failure like yeah. nobody. How thinks, do you feel? Yeah. How do you yeah, all feel? Listen, good no, or shitty. Nobody thinks the current state of affairs is awesome. And again, what 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 Danny's point is like nobody's been stopping you from doing what you want. Like this is your vision. This is like your vision has been carried out, and this has been the result. It's a fucking shit show. It's it's fucking awful all across the board. Like you don't even need to be in America to see this. Go anywhere. And people will tell you, like, this shit ain't working the way we want it to, right? Which is, I don't even think can be argued um, at this point. I think that's the shit that's stuck in Chate's craw, is that you diss liberalism, bro. Don't ever diss the the shield, bro. (laughs) And he identifies with it, right? He's like the embodiment of this ideology. And so that's why he took it so personally. And that's why his attack on me was so personal. You know, it was it was wild. <laughs> it was funny. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it and this is the problem. Right. And and to lead to, to sort of lead to the big point, the big question I'm addressing in this other piece I've got coming on Fukuyama. The big question is, why hasn't liberalism's failure engendered an ideological attack? This is really interesting. You would think the obvious failures 
would have led to some sort of mega pushback. And I don't think either Trump or Bernie are the mega pushback that one would expect, which is like a totally different fundamental I mean, attack. No, everyone is just going insane. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. Everyone's going crazy. Yeah. Like everyone's just going fucking crazy. No one has a coherent kind of critique of the system anymore. And the, the people people just feel bad and feel wrong. And the response is to just literally go fucking insane. And I would argue it's because of essentially technological advances in mass media uh, and Internet and social media and all of that shit is just like it's not it's not allowing people to engage with the world in a productive way. They're just like, ah, I'm going fucking crazy. It's, it's you know? cheap porn, cheap calories and uh, people <laughs> feeling like like engaging online and is politics, which is pills. not. And pills yeah. and everyone's yeah. on fucking sertraline or, yeah. you know, SSRIs or whatever. So, I mean, it turns out that's a pretty effective combination to prevent revolution. Plus, the state is just way more powerful in 2023 than it was in 1923. Like oh, yeah. that, in 1923, you could take things over. You know, yeah. now I don't see how you should... take how do you take over the drone program? You can't. It's done. I mean, we lost. <laughs> you need you I've need like doing... climate change or a meteor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been doing a fucking podcast called Shoot the Messenger about a spyware called Pegasus where they literally could just like go into your phone and see everything and turn it on your phone. And it's like, how are you supposed to compete with second. that? Like the second you try to build some kind or, of, no, not movement. just that, but just if you're trying to do something, oh, they you just know, find they just, you and kill you. they just, they just know you, they just know who you are. Like in 1959, a bunch of fucking, you know, bearded mm. Cubans in the fucking mountains took down the fucking government. Yeah. You know, like, 80 like, people. It's wild. Yeah. It's like, it's like, yeah, it's yeah. like not even a hundred people were able to take down the whole fucking government. You know, um, not, that didn't happen in no more. No, Anywhere. No, wow. So like the QAnon shaman could have taken it down. <laughs> right. Could have taken it down back in 19. If the QAnon shaman would have been in the in the hills of if he, outside if he was Havana. In Santi, if he was in Santiago, he would have. Yeah, yeah. And, and just to get, get on. Batista out of there. Yeah, exactly. And just one one more final thing. I think with the fascism thing, people use it because they want to feel like politics is meaningful to them, that they are mm -hmm. fighting evil. Right. That's why they use it. It makes them feel because, you know, the Nazis were. Well, that's horrible. why they keep calling January 6th an insurrection. Right. Right. Exactly. Like, guys, come on, man. Yeah, yeah. Come on, y'all. Yeah. It's insurrection. It's Right, it's a, it's a, yeah. that's that's an insult to insurrection. They, 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 they exactly these guys were taking. They were they literally had they literally had selfie sticks. Right, yeah. like literally actual yeah. selfie sticks <laughs> is what they. The insurrection will be selfie. Is the is right, the, uh, yeah. and they're not really afraid of it, and so there's a hollowness to it all. You no know, one really versus, believes it. No yeah, one really yeah. believes that. I, I, you read it, it's got no zhuzh. Because they don't, they're not really afraid. They're mostly well-heeled upper bourgeois who are in no danger of anything. But they want to yeah. feel meaningful, and also they want to feel like they're in crisis, and so they pretend. Is that is that what you think the Jonathan Chait types and this other fool who, who came at you is it like they they want their right to feel like they're in grave danger? They want their right to feel like their their grandparents or great grandparents fighting the Nazis. That the in, stakes in, of his next Germany? column. He wants to feel like the stakes of his next next column is literally keeping the hordes at bay. Oh, the future you know? of the democracy is that? Yeah, stake? that if 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 Jonathan Chait just doesn't have his like take uh, for the next issue of New York Mag perfectly articulated, that the the fascist hordes will you know bring down the whole system. You know, he needs to to get up you know out of bed and fucking 
and get the get on the take machine. You know, people need meaning in life. You know, like I mean, the one the way that this always arises to me is like all the like the bullshit left Twitch stuff where people just scream at each other in endless debates. It's just pure infotainment, but they <laughs> they they want to feel like it's an existential discussion. Like I'm yeah. a communist. What does it mean to be a communist without a communist party? Right. These are like basic questions nothing. that want nothing. It's uh, it's identity. I'm a, it's I'm a, a, I'm a Yankees fan. And yeah. that guy's a fucking Maoist pig. And it's like, right. what are you guys talking about? There is no Marxist-Leninist yeah. party. So what are you, you know, talking about? It's you know like, I'm a Yankees so funny, fan. What's so funny about that is about two hours before this call started, um, a, a book from Amazon came that I bought. I bought I bought a Du Bois book. Yeah. <laughs> and my yeah. girl was like, what are you doing? I'm just like, yo, I've really been in my Pan-African bag the last three weeks. <laughs> Was then there's a new book called W.E.B. Du Bois International Thought, where it collects all of Du Bois on international relations and the color line. If you're into reading Du Bois now, it's no, really I good. will. I, yeah. I slept on Du Bois to yeah, be yeah. honest. He's du Bois is the man. He's I, I slept the man. on him because because that's Du Bois or Du Bois. It's Du Bois, but it's Du Bois. No, it's a, technically, but he but he identified Du Bois because he said it was Du Bois. He was a Yankee. Yeah. But he's of Haitian descent. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, his last name is French. Yeah. But, you know, he was a Yank. And so he went by Du Bois. There's a letter where um, he spells it out D E W space B O Y S. Du Du Bois. Bois. Yeah. (laughs) But what what Danny was talking about, like, the party, you know, and all that stuff, is like one of the things that was frustrating during the Bernie movement was like for any left to have any sort of power or any any sort of real influence like you need a certain degree of discipline you know what i mean and (laughs) because the only thing you have is strength in numbers you know what i mean and so like if everyone is just trying to get their own little bullshit you know as their own brand their own brand and maybe you're maybe you are more correct or whatever but like at a certain point being right you gotta subordinate you got to subordinate your own bullshit, which is impossible without institutions with the left exactly. has no institutions, right? That's you're looking at the big problem of the left. There's no institutions really either nationally or internationally. Yeah. That means you're not going to have discipline. That means you're not going to have coordination and without discipline coordination, you don't have strategy. So it's all random bullshit. And it winds up with people yelling at each other on Twitch. Yeah. Shouts to my man, Dr. Ball, um, Jared Ball. We need a church. Yeah, <laughs> we need a fucking church, man. Yeah, we need a church, and we need it now. Cause, um, yeah, there's no, there's just no, there's no way. Like, yeah, the shit that happens on the internet with, you know, cause like even some people, like, I'll see like black people on the left be like, oh, I don't fuck with Jacobin because they don't have a race first message. I'm like, bruh, like, who gives a shit for real? <laughs> like, if really your gripe is that, like. Their coverage doesn't basically rub the asses of people who feel like so, like they feel like they've been brought so low by the circumstances of their race and they don't concentrate on it in the Jacobin. And I'm like, yo, bro, like, how can, like, if it's really about a left message, which is a collective message, how can that be your main gripe about people who otherwise have the exact same politics as you? And this is why you see throughout American history in particular, it's different in Europe, but in American history in particular, the left is always fighting with each other because the left has never come close to power. And if you're never close to power, that has a, there's no, there's no disciplining effect. And And it's because Americans, and because Americans are naturally individualistic. 
Yes, it's it's an it's a it's a right from the start. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> from the beginning, it's, it's a right wing country, quote unquote, is, is antithetical to a left. It just is, you know, yeah, mm. fundamentally. And the only reason America to get back our mark, the only reason they were so individualistic, they held this fucking land. You yeah. know what we're seeing now is that the land is gone. So people are trying to invest in fake land in the metaverse. That's what they're trying to create. And Elon <laughs> yeah. Musk is trying to go to fucking Mars. Right. So like this is like a it's a crisis of capitalism. But the problem is there's nothing coming. I think so. The, the Marxist position is that capitalism would be transcended. Right. But we're just having crisis after crisis after crisis without transcendent because the working class didn't become conscious in and of itself. So that's like another reason why we all feel crazy. Yeah. Like the 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 the. And it's just like, this is not just like a Marxist position, but it's just like a kind of economics 101 position is that the rate of profit over time goes down. It right? has to. It has to. It has yeah. to. Because like, if if, the, if some company starts making a lot of profit on something, no, 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 eventually... No, no, no. What are you guys talking about? The, our entire system is predicated <laughs> on the idea that your next quarter has to be more profitable than yeah, the one your before. Yeah, your individual company's quarter has to be. But the thing, what, what, what that does in the aggregate is that as soon as one company makes $10 in profit and there's another company who's not making as much profit, they're like, well, what are they doing to do all that profit? So we're going to do the same thing. And, and so then once they do that, they, the prices go down, you know, the profit goes down. Like competition naturally tends towards zero in a sector, right? Profit, from a profitability standpoint. And eventually that, go, that, eventually that happens across all of the sectors. And like what, when, when that's happened in the past, Usually there's been just like a fucking giant war or some giant crisis to kind of just wipe the slate clean and start all over again. You know, and the question is now is like, what's going to what is that? What is that massive crisis going to do? Or is the system nimble enough now to just kind of paper over it? You know, like, well, what it did was it created cheap money. That's that's how the system when 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 basically profits stopped being profitable in the late 70s as a whole economy thing, they created credit and cheap money. But what the SVB thing is showing is that is coming to a halt, right, to bring it to bring it back down. Well, as soon as they raised interest rates for the first time in forever. Right. You know, exactly. These fools thought the interest rate would be at zero forever. Yeah. How could you think that? And these are the masters of the universe, guys. The smartest money people ever, allegedly. Well, what's it's- weird is that the Fed would do it. I-, I was always kind of puzzled why the Fed's doing it because it seems like a self-inflicted wound. Like, why Why don't they just keep it going? Like, keep it pushing, as, as you say. You know, like, why would they Why would they cause all these? Uh, all this kind of, like, hoopla and chaos? And, I, I, I um, honestly I honestly think there's no other explanation. They, like, that, them, them checks and COVID, like, flipping things on its head as far as, like, they're like, yo, this is like a, a, a worker's paradise right now as far as your options and how bad these companies need you. That's the only explanation I see. Cleaning labor, yeah. I think there's a lot to that. Like, that's you- it. If you looked at what they talked about at Davos, everyone was obsessed with quiet quitting. So I really think there, there's a there's an uh, it's it's wild. This was like the number one topic at Davos. So I think Waz is 100 percent right. I think they're trying to discipline labor. It's but the, the problem it's the is thing that makes sense. It's yeah. the, like when they talk about these alarm bells that they're like you. I can't, I can't see what are the alarm bells for when they talk about this crisis of inflation and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, all right. But people seem to be getting through it just fine. Like nobody's starving right. because of it. Nobody's whatever. All it means is that the people at the top, if this stuff costs more, need to come out of their pockets. 
and that's What's not going to so happen. What's so bad about that? <laughs> right. That's why they're going to fire that's 40 million people in Silicon Valley, right? The, the tech is going to shrink as a sector, um, both in terms of absolute people employed and percentage of the economy, I think. I think this is the end of the 15-year tech boom that was basically our entire adult lives, all three of us. It'll be an interesting thing. What about all the people who learned how to code? What are they Ex- do? Exactly, right? Exactly. I think everyone should learn how to write screenplays. You know? <laughs> AI is going to replace both of those jobs. So the bad advice on both ends. First drafts are going to be AI now. Lord have mercy. Well, Danny, um, I'm glad you survived the rock fight um, in the on the intellectual left. Uh, these centrists can't keep you down. Thank you for coming on. Please plug your stuff for people to check it out, man. Yeah, just check out American Prestige, uh, the podcast, if you like if you like what I have to say. My man, um, we will see All you right. guys next week. Uh, make sure you guys subscribe to patreon.com backslash count the things. Please, if you can, support the GoFundMe for Jade Hoy and his family. We're about damn near 80% um, the way there. Uh, I'm telling you, this, this stuff is really impacting his family that's super grateful for all the stuff that we've got so far but if you can please support that uh we'll see you guys next week peace